The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. Welcome to The Hearing, a new podcast from Thomson Reuters with me, Kevin Poulter. In each episode, I'll be talking with the most interesting people in and around the legal profession. Sometimes serious, sometimes irreverent, but hopefully informative, insightful and entertaining conversation for you to pass your commute, your lunch hour or if you're looking for some procrastination. In this episode, I'm joined by Joe Rosinski, who's flown in from Washington, D.C. He's got one of those jobs that no one really understands, but he's able to explain to me not only what a futurist does, but also why we should all be interested in blockchain. We're going to talk about the impact of new technology on the legal profession, the rise of the robot lawyer, and find out what Joe keeps in his bag. I'll give you a clue. It's eight inches, battery powered, and gives him hours of pleasure. The hearing. So, Joe, Thank you for coming all the way from the US to come and see us today. Uh, a few questions to get me started, to be honest, because you, your, your title here is technologist and futurist. Now, does that just mean you're a soothsayer? Uh, are, you, are you sort of the Ides of March? Um, what, what is a futurist? What is a technologist? Tell us about what you're doing. That's a great question. Well, honestly, what I've always done since I was a little kid is play around with new tools. Um, yep always try to adopt the newest things that are coming along the road um, and, and try to investigate it and see how it might apply to our world and what's changing. Um, so I feel like I'm just maybe a few steps ahead, but maybe not. I mean, it depends on where you're with, who you're with, really. Well, that's, I suppose that's right. And uh, there are a lot of people out there who might also call themselves futurists, the people who queue up outside Apple for the uh, new <laughs> iPhone. That's right. As well as, as well as being the futurist, the technologist, where does the law come into this? For your interest, uh, particularly, why is the law holding such uh, an interest for you? Honestly, I think there is a ton of promise within the legal industry with due respect to everyone. One of the things that the legal industry has traditionally been not is that innovative, right? So unfortunately- Be careful what you're saying. We've got a legal audience here. <laughs> but it's one of those things that I think is changing dramatically right now. You're actually seeing lots of law firms throughout the world adjust, change, adopt. And that's what I find fascinating and I love to be a part of. So is technology changing us or are we being changed by technology as a, as a legal sector? Yeah, I think it's a little of both. I think uh, what's happening outside a legal sector has led a lot of the legal sector to say, shoot, what, what, what can we do? How can mm. we handle this? What should we be doing to help better serve our clients? Mm. Plus, the clients are asking for it. They're seeing what's happening and they say, hey, we got to adjust ourselves. Uh, that's right. And I think a lot of the demand that we're getting from clients at the moment is, is on time. And I know a lot of the technology that's coming about is to try and save time. And a lot of what Thomson Reuters do, for example, is to try and shorten the time we spend doing the administration or the, the legwork and leave us to focus on the, if you like, the human element, which we might come back to later um, <laughs> and, and talk more about that. But uh, what is it that you think is still causing us a problem because most of us, we emails, emails are often the issue. Uh, dealing with the email, uh, just the quantity, the volume that, that come through. And can we get something to sort out for, for that, to help us out with that? Or is that something that's still a manual task? How do you see that developing, as, just as an example? Yeah, I think there's basically an issue with big data, right? So we're talking about yeah. just volumes and volumes of data. How can we handle it? Um, some people say it's impossible to become an expert at this point, which mm. is crazy mm. to think about because mm. we have all sorts of people who are have tons of expertise in, in their particular area, but now there's so much coming down the road. How do you handle that? How do you sift through it? Mm. So we're getting to a point of what we call augmented intelligence. And that is hopefully having these tools sort through the data and then service up to us possible answers for that and say, hey, 
here you go. Here are the possible three possible mm. answers. Now you, as a human, make a decision. We'll see how much longer that lasts, though. So, so is that is that in a way um, is is that in a way what uh, Google's doing when you get a phone call on your Google phone and it tells you this might be a, a spam call? Yes. Uh, that's that's doing some work for you. You don't have to answer the phone. You've got a good indication already that it's spam. I suppose the next element of that is trust. How much do we trust what Google are telling us, and how much do we trust? As, as this is a bad example now already, but Google, as an example, uh, how much you trust them to to keep hold of that information? Uh, this is a bigger issue for, for now, but what are your thoughts on that? That's a tough call. I think uh, Google has as much information as probably anybody does these days. So, same thing with Facebook. Volumes and volumes of data, and essentially what we have is them building profiles mm. on us so they can advertise to mm. you. Mm. There's going to be a complete and total shift away from that in the not-too-distant future, and we'll probably get into that in a little bit um, when we talk about blockchain. Uh, well, a seamless link uh, yeah. through to blockchain, <laughs> because this is this is something... Look, when I first started hearing about blockchain, I thought it was some sort of new plumbing device to sort out the U-Bend. <laughs> it, it, it's sounds like something that, that we don't really need to worry about in the professions. Uh, anyway, uh, blockchain. I've now learned more about it, but you're probably the expert in this, so take it away. Explain from, from a basic point of view what blockchain is and how it's already sort of taken over the world to a certain extent in particular areas. So the hype is probably bigger than anything else right now, but essentially <laughs> what we're talking about is a distributed database. So, and this all came about from, believe it or not, a white paper in 2007, 2008 that uh, came out in uh, Japan. And it was by Satoshi Nakamoto. And basically what it said was, hey, we see that all these massive institutions are going under. 2007, 2008, where uh, huge institutions like the banking industry, the uh, insurance groups are yep. all going under. Uh, what can we do to completely change that paradigm? And so what they did was they said, okay, instead of having a single institution, a single point of failure go down, mm. let's shift that. Let's do the actual um, distributed number of computers. So in the Bitcoin example, you have 10,000 computers all running the same software that all have to be in agreement about a transaction happening. So if I'm going to give you yep. $10 worth of Bitcoin or 10 um, pounds worth of Bitcoin, uh, it's essentially me getting your digital identity, your address, mm. and clicking in how much money I want to send to you. I send it off to you and it then is distributed to all of those different computers. They have to agree that Joe has that much money in his wallet okay. and that you have a wallet. And then magically, and there's a lot more going on, uh, it actually gets distributed to that. And it's maintained on this ledger, which has every single transaction from the beginning of time, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2008, and then uh, till now. So it's really a fascinating technology. It has many, many more implications aside from Bitcoin. Okay, so when I was when I was reading a little bit about this, it sounded a bit like, and please feel free to correct me now, but a Wikipedia page where it, it is, there's a ledger there, it can be edited, but the no, there's a notification of what those edits are over time and people can go in and change it. But it's much more, obviously it's much more than that. And uh, uh, the, the confusing, I think, part for a lot of people, well, for me, I'll, I'll, I'll say for me, is uh, the access that presumably people give, 10,000 computers as an example, uh, in a network. Uh, what protections do those people have, for example, against viruses, against uh, attacks um, from from outside? And if one goes down, why don't they all go down? What's the, what's, what makes it dis different to any other network? What's so special about the blockchain is, one, it's distributed. So each and every node is by itself unique. Um, it runs the same software, but what it requires is high-end cryptography. 
cryptography that's been around since yeah. the 70s. So this cryptography, which is mathematical proofs, basically says um, that this is tried and true. Uh, really fascinating stuff. Uh, of course, it uses regular encryption that the banks use for yep. um, for your digital wallet that okay. contains your money or soon-to-be ID, which we'll talk about maybe in the future. Yep. But uh, a lot of really fascinating pieces to this. So if you wanted to disrupt most blockchains, and we'll use the Bitcoin blockchain, yep. which is just one of what, thousands at this point, you would need, what I've read, uh, seven times the power of what Google has in terms of okay. all of its servers, all of its information right now uh, to upend it. And to upend mm -hmm. it, you need to basically take over uh, roughly 51% of all of those okay. 10,000 servers. Very difficult to do and, yep. and consuming in terms of money, energy, and all those fun things. Okay, so um, we've talked about Bitcoin. That's obviously where, or well, it seems to be, for most of us where uh, blockchain has grown and it's, it's found its home. Um, where else is this likely to develop and, and what use does it have to the legal industry? Legal industry, it's fascinating. So I've spent probably the last two years talking about blockchain mm. uh, with the legal industry. Before that, I go back to, I guess, 2011, where I first got involved in, in blockchain, specifically Bitcoin. Um, sad story there, which I will not share with you until maybe later. But uh, oh, well, that's, well, that's a teaser. <laughs> I know. If ever there was one, to well, listen on to that. the end now. <laughs> so one of the fascinating things about blockchain for the last several years is really getting everybody up to speed about what it is. It is a revolutionary technology that is akin to the beginnings of the internet. And it's okay. something that I think everyone has to wrap their head around. It took mm. me probably five or six times mm. to fully understand what we described a little bit earlier. Um, and then once I understood it, then it's okay. You talk to the experts in your field, help them understand it, and then they can start to leverage it for their practice areas, okay. what they want to do within the business. The second piece is you're starting to see, after that education piece, you're starting to see many consortiums that are happening okay. right now. Uh, and I think the first phase of this is them trying to get their brains wrapped around it. Mm. But then they're coming up with common terminology. Okay. And then the second piece to this is that they're going to actually start coming out with their own blockchain. So think about the top 100 law firms yep. in uh, the UK saying, let's get together and create a single blockchain that we'll be able to leverage for all of our different businesses, um, our different okay. practice areas. Now, as lawyers, we've barely got our heads around the cloud um, and, and sharing data and, and spreading it around. And the regulators in particular are quite keen to make sure we keep all of our clients' information and data in one place. What's the impact? You're saying with the Bitcoin, for example, it's shared one one Bitcoin might be shared between uh, ten thousand computers. Is that the same issue with client data? Would it be distributed around everybody? And if so, how do we get around the regulators? I guess in that sense, or is it for the regulators to catch up with technology? It's definitely going to be that. So there's no okay. question the regulators will have to catch up with technology, just like everybody else does. Um, but I think what's so key about the blockchain is that you actually have different types of blockchain. So mm -hmm. in the Bitcoin example, that's a public blockchain. With this example, it would be a private blockchain. Yep. So all of these various firms, let's say the top okay. 100 get together and it would be specialized for that. Okay, so effectively a closed network yes. in, in a sort of narrow way, old fashioned way of looking at it. You got now. it. Is that okay? Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Don't flatter me too much. Um, so uh, like we've talked about how uh, sort of leveraging this uh, for, for law firms, in practice, what changes can we expect to see as doing the day-to-day -day job? Should it be a seamless move and we don't see anything or will we need to be more proactive and, and start looking at things in different ways? It's a, it's a fascinating question. So one of the first things I think about that will hit 
is the smart contract, right? So more and more people are familiar with what a, a smart contract is. Uh, but just in case, the idea is that it's basically some little bit of code mm -hmm. that is executing on the blockchain. So it's executing on this database. And the example that I typically like to give is that uh, you are a an attorney and you draw up your will. Mm. And this will basically, and it's a very silly will, I apologize in advance. <laughs> okay. This will basically says, um, Upon the parents' death, they have two kids, Kid A and Kid B, yet to have named them yet. Yeah, okay, I don't know why okay. they, they named them Kid A. Terrible B. parents. <laughs> they need to work on that. So upon the parents' death, uh, both kids have to be married. If one kid is married and one is not, they essentially, that kid gets the entire part of the estate. So this is drawn up in Word, maybe in drafting assistant or something along those lines. Yep. It's then put into the blockchain, it's codified, and it's looking at triggers. So the, the triggers in this are every day check to see whether or not uh, the parents are alive. So a simple API call computer to a trusted source, maybe like Thomson Reuters or something else, <laughs> reaches out and Very then nice. it says, ah, the parents yep. have passed. It says, what's my next task? It's heartless, of course, right? Yep. It's saying next task, uh, check to see if both kids are married. Okay. It does the same API call, comes back and says, ah, oh, one kid is married, one is not. For the sake of argument, the assets are liquid, and all of that is transferred to the kid that's married. That whole portion mm. is automated. So mm. it's taken out all the attorneys. Well, that yes, that's what, I, that's what I'm worried about. And uh, so, Wow, um, yeah. that's upset quite a few people listening already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, like, but, but in a practical sense, and I can see how that that is a good example. Um, but in a practical sense, how far away are we from this re realistically happening? Well, I've talked to insurance companies that are working on that right now. Okay, so they're working on those types of things. Um, it's hard to imagine, but yes, we're not I can see, too I can far see insurance, uh, and, and again, in my little bit of research that I did, um, insurance is one of the big markets, clearly, for blockchain, um, and being able to uh, harness, I guess, so much data from around the world, whether right. it's flight patterns and, and people claiming for delays or um, uh, hurricanes in one particular area, and uh, locating and bringing all that information together. And keeping it secure as well, of course, and, and, and matching it up against the other data, the, the customer data, uh, that, that's, that's going to be a big issue. That's sort of a piece that yet has been figured out, right? So okay. we're not at the point where these oracles, these trusted sources are all set up. That's, there's more industry that's burgeoning right now than, mm. than almost any area that I've ever seen before. Okay. It's almost the dot-com era where you yeah, have all yeah. these companies that are popping up. They're not all going to survive, mm. but they're trying to come up with solutions to the questions that you're asking. Okay, okay. Good. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, again, I don't want to upset too many more people, but and we won't focus on whose jobs are going to go just yet. But uh, uh, one of the things that I just want to talk about briefly is on the back of that and how technology generally, aside from blockchain, but how technology generally is changing um, and looking at what's hot right now. I saw a story the other day about, I don't know if you saw this, about Flippy. Uh, the first burger flipping robot uh, in California, of course. Uh, but it's it's there's an overarching company which which owns a number of different organisations below it. One of them is a technology company. One of them is a burger chain, of course. And they've brought in this uh, Miss Flippy, uh, the robot uh, burger uh, maker. And uh, the problems have, have happened already. First week at work, and he's too slow. Uh, I say he. We shouldn't give it any yeah, gender. I know. Um, uh, Non-gender specific, mis uh, Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. Flippy um, uh, uh, has got an issue. He's yeah. too slow, so he needs to be reprogrammed. He needs to be speeded up. 
not only is he too slow he, flipping the burgers, he can't put cheese on top uh-huh. and he can't do toppings. Now that's awful. Uh, th- these are retailing. Fired. These these <laughs> machines are retailing now um, to other burger chains. Obviously, not a great advert to start with in the first week. But I can't see a, a, a time when AI, when robots, will be able to take over a lot of what we do. Um, because it's about personality, I think, I, I know, I have to say this, uh, but it's about client contact, it's about those emotions. And I know that there are things that are being developed by robots as well. But will we ever see a time when, when we can all sit at home? I don't know what we're going to be paid with, but uh, we're going to have to buy some robots, presumably, to, just to keep an income coming through. How is it going to work? So you're talking about singularity. Perhaps. You tell me. (laughs) By that, we're talking about uh, roughly 2040 to 2045, where they're saying that humans will sort of be be jumped over by robots Mm. and artificial intelligence. And it's Moore's Law, right? So we're at the point where everything is doubling uh, 12 to 18 months. Uh, Processor speed, cloud storage, AI. And all of those are starting to come to a head. I call it the trinity of forces. Those three distinct forces are coming together. It's not right trademarked. Now. Uh, <laughs> it's just, soon to be. Check. Okay. Soon. <laughs> I need to. No. So it's one of these things. It's all coming to a head right now. It's unlike any other time ever in human history. Everything we're so used to linear mindsets. Um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, and that's going to have major implications across mm. the board when you're talking about how people work, where they work, what they do. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity as well. I mean, you think about 10 years ago, we just got the iPhone, right? Mm. And so before that, you had all these separate devices. You had your video camera, your full library yep. of music, books. Yep. Now it's all condensed to one little thing. Um, so new industries have come, right? Tons of new industries have come. Yeah. Um, the app industry alone and all the, the games from that. Is, mm. So it's going to be remarkable to see the changes. And uh, we've touched on it already that the legal profession is not particularly the most forward thinking, uh, not the most progressive sometimes, sometimes. Uh, set in our ways, a bit conservative perhaps. Um, do you think we will be uh, sort of on the back foot where it comes to technology or do you think there are people out there at the moment sort of innovating so much and within law firms around where we are now in, in London, um, do you think they have the foresight or do you think it's going to be, we're going to be led by clients and client demands rather than our own of will to do these things? I think, honestly, it is the client demands, quite honestly, because it seems like it's one of those things that they're pushing for, which is not a problem. Mm. It's one of those things that I think that makes sense. If the clients are asking for it, then it pushes the uh, firms to actually think about how they could actually do this in a way that's um, hopefully conservative, but but uh, efficient and productive for them, as well as all of their other clients. And you're going into law firms and speaking to them about these yes. things without naming names. Is there resistance? Is there optimism? Is, is there fear? Uh, what's, the, what's the general reaction? A massive shift in the last two years, where I, I mean, I've spent the last 12 years going into firms, talking mm. with them about their initiatives, what they want to do with technology. Mm. And traditionally, it's always been, oh, we're going to make adjustments to our portal. We're going to add SharePoint. We're going to uh, update our operating systems, which are still very important yes. and a core part of the business. But now you're seeing law firms investing sometimes millions of dollars mm. in um, new technology. So back to the blockchain real quickly. Yep. They are downloading a copy of Ethereum's blockchain, so a version of a blockchain, mm. and they're starting to develop their own tokens, a tokenized system to see okay. how it works, how they could eventually pay their clients in, in tokens or accept tokens from them. One other thing real quick that I think is kind of interesting is that you're starting to see law firms partner with universities. 
uh, which is a major thing, as well as uh, startups themselves. So things that are on the radar for law firms, cybersecurity. Now, we're talking about confidence and trust in these machines, in blockchain even. Um, where does security come into this? And I know one of your interests uh, currently and historically has been around Wi-Fi and, uh, and um, particularly about security around Wi-Fi and people being aware of, of the risks of being in open networks, open sharing. And uh, how, how are law firms addressing the cyber security issue and the, the, the deluge we seem to have had recently of scams, spam, um, and, and base, basic basic tricks and cheats, that, yeah. as, as well as more sophisticated ones as well. Oh, it's been a wild last several years. I mean, unfortunately, there's been a lot of firms in particular that have been touched by this. Um, I used to spend most of my time when I spoke with uh, law firms in the cybersecurity area. So three, okay. four years ago, we'd sit down and we'd talk about you know what's going on here, a general awareness campaign, things that will be coming. And this is really before the ransomware hit. So ransomware has really had this major awakening for a lot of groups. So the changes that I think are really key to this is that traditionally we've always thought about this walled garden. Mm -hmm. And what that means is uh, once we have a uh, antivirus software set up, we're good mm -hmm. to go. Yep. You know, you have your antivirus set up for your personal computer, your work computer, you're fine. The new way of looking at it is that you actually have a thief in your house. I know you have this mansion in north of, of London right now. Uh, yes. How yeah. many rooms you, 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 Yeah, you've 30? been having the, the one. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine this place that you have that has 30 rooms, um, has three-car garage door, um, <laughs> yeah. all these different you avenues. You can come up later. <laughs> Please invite me at some point. I'd love that. Um, but you have all these avenues to get in. At some point someone is going to get in. They're probably sitting in the basement, playing video games, drinking Mountain Dew, and, and eating Doritos. Um, the point of it is that you actually have to have software that's able to identify the fact they're already in there. So every single, okay. more than likely, every single network that's out there has malware on it. It's all about identifying it hmm. and getting it out. And it usually takes upwards of 234 days before people even realize that there's actually something bad on their network okay. sending information out. Incredible. Sorry, I, I, scary. It is scary, it is scary. Um, the other malware that's in law firms are, are obviously the employees and the, 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 the workers themselves who, who are bringing in that's... risk on a daily basis. And I still I still find it amazing that we're talking about technology that can and cybersecurity around these things when I still see people on trains uh, with their client information and emails all over the over the table, they're on the uh, tube, uh, sort of reading their BlackBerry or BlackBerry thing of the past. Um, <laughs> not quite. Uh, their iPhones, um, other phones are available, and, and, and on, a, on a big screen, and everybody's looking at them yeah. and, and and seeing what's happening. And I just find this incredible, where we're seeing so much technology, so much around this, but the human error. Uh, aspect of it is still it's, we've still not dealt with it. We've not mastered that. Um, I, I, incredible. Ninety six percent of the time, it's it's we humans that are yeah. the ones that are clicking on things that we're not supposed to be clicking yeah. on, or downloading things that we shouldn't be downloading, and ultimately that's the biggest barrier. So it's mm. all about education. So while you have the software that protects the the castle, your castle, yes, yes. Um, but it also you have little um, security guards that are running through and making sure that they're finding everything but it's the people that are ultimately the ones at fault. And so yeah. we all have to be doing our part to make sure that we're not doing, clicking those links and downloading things we shouldn't be. That's the unwelcome key. guests that we're inviting in. Is that <laughs> you a, got it. Thank you, thank you. Um, so uh, uh, we're gonna take a bit of a complete diversion away from this, unless you want to go back to your uh, chain story uh, now, or should we come back to it later? Uh, well, we'll, we'll do it now. I, it's, just, it. it's such a sad I story, so I, I won't. I'm not gonna, it's not uplifting, <laughs> and I apologize for that. But I, in 2011, had invested in, uh, in Bitcoin, so I bought 
two Bitcoin, uh, all of two Bitcoin. I so think. you have the mansion there. Well, no. uh, <laughs> but this is where it turns. So I bought each coin for $10 US. Wow. And I, I saw it rise to, yeah, at that point in time, it was like $1,200. And I was younger and I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm rich. And then it was through this uh, organization called Mt. Gox. Have you heard of this Mt. Gox? No. It's the first cryptocurrency exchange ever. And it was based in Japan. And it actually is Magic the God Gathering, which is a card sharing. So these uh, fanciful card sharing that you would trade back and forth. That's what they started off with. And they're like, hey, there's this Bitcoin thing out there now. Why don't we jump on this? They had no security whatsoever. So ultimately okay. what happened is the guy that ran it, mm -hmm. well, well, we think, <laughs> we're not 100% certain, people that ran it actually sort of ran away with all of the coins. Uh, and so I lost everything, unfortunately. Wow. All two. But that's, that was a, that's that would a, have been $20,000. Well, that's a, a sad um, story, <laughs> but we'll try and move on now. I know. Um, uh, so weep into your water there. Um, uh, drones. Uh, and, and people might think that we're droning now, uh, so in 20 minutes into this, but tell me about them. Uh, what's, what's happening? Because we're seeing it on the news, we're seeing it um, causing problems in the airports, we're seeing drones uh, being fantastic on, on natural history programs, <laughs> but are they a liability? Are they going to be increasing? Are they going to be regulated in any way? What, what's the story with drones? I love drones. I have one you in my do. bag right over there in the corner right now. Uh, it's about uh, eight inches long. Okay. It has four wings that pop out. It goes four miles away. It does 4K video. Uh, it is amazing. And drone technology is just getting better. So why? There's lots of concerns. And there's well, yes, lots of we're right by city airport. Uh, <laughs> this is a concern. I know. So there are common rules that you see throughout the world at this stage. Uh, keep it five miles away from an airport. Keep it within a sight, eyeline sight, uh, a view of it. So it has to be like 400 feet. Couldn't, can't go higher than 400 feet. Okay. Um, so there's some specifics around that, but there are also lots of issues there too. I mean, you could fly it up right next to someone's condo window yeah. and well, look in. And that's right. We're talking about cybersecurity. Uh, we we yeah. can't stop somebody coming looking through the window, <laughs> which is frightening. Uh, yeah, uh, in HD, 4K video. Yeah, well, that's not good. So, um, but there are so many great possibilities. You're, I'm seeing some groups starting to test uh, drone, helping with car parking. So a drone will pop up and will guide that car to where it should park, where there's an open spot. Yep. Um, we talk about drone delivery. It's yes. starting to happen in Canada. Yeah. So Amazon's working on that. But the impacts of it are going to be vast. So one, of course, it'll be faster and easier to get things. Mm. But then you have to start thinking about if you have a condo or an apartment complex, where are you going to land that thing? Mm. So you're going to see mm. little drone platforms that are off your balcony. You're going to see... Um, Changes maybe to parking. So do you really need to have cars as much? Uh, because you'll have these drones doing the delivery. You're already using Uber for everything else. Uh, so you're going to say, what about all this real estate you have for parking? Hmm. Um, it's going to transform a lot of different industries. So uh, you're picking up on the parking point. Um, drones and driverless cars, in effect, are they the same thing. Um, one flies, one doesn't so much, but um, uh, unless it goes over the edge of a cliff. But uh, what, what's the issue? Um, like from a regulatory point of view, we're seeing huge investment, obviously, in driverless cars, particularly in drones, I'm sure, as well, um, as well as the ones that you see in, in Argos here yeah. um, for, for 1999. Uh, I, I imagine yours was slightly more expensive than that. But um, uh, in, in terms of regulation and in terms of legislation, uh, presumably, 
everything's on catch-up. Um, the technology is moving faster than the certainly the government and parliament and the legislature can keep up with. Um, what's happening? Yeah, so when it comes to, I guess, the drones and the uh, autonomous vehicles, if they are, we're still following mm. the technology. There's no question. Um, What's fascinating about the uh, autonomous vehicles is there's five classifications of it. Uh, if you go back to um, when I was a little kid going down to uh, the beach way long time ago, my dad would have cruise control, right? Yeah, so yeah. you know fast how fast you're going. Yeah. That's, that's version number one. But then it goes to full autonomous vehicles. And so what you're starting to see is regulation around different facets of the five stages mm. of this. Um, but we're still a long ways from what's going to really transpire on the roads. Um, how long are we away from that? I mean, you're seeing it in certain parts of the world, right? Um, yeah. So you're seeing in, in Singapore, they're using them. They're using them for trucks in different areas. Yeah. I know in the U.S., they're starting to test in like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where they actually have someone sitting behind the car, mm. uh, steering wheel, but they're not touching it. They're mm -hmm. just letting the car do its mm -hmm. thing. Um, and Tesla is going to be able to just yep. flip a switch. Yeah. Well, and Dyson investing in heavily in this as well now. Yes, are they? So yeah, that's going to be uh, that, obviously for the Brits for uh, getting <laughs> yeah, out well, there doing great. this. But it's uh, but, but but it's I see so many things where the technology, as the example, is moving so fast and we just can't keep up. And uh, one of my pet subjects, so forgive me now, um, around social media and the regulation that's happening there is so far behind uh, what's happening in the world and, and the progression that's being made. And, and we're still using case law from the, sort of the 19th century to try and deal with issues today, uh, which, which I just find incredible. Um, and finally, just touching on social media, you've got a lot of followers there on the Twitter. Um, a lot of people are going to be quite jealous. Uh, are they bots? Um, how much have you have you paid for them in Bitcoin? Um, where do these, these people come from? And is it still a thing for lawyers? Uh, should lawyers be worried about social media, about selling their services, making themselves known on social media? Because you've obviously done a very good job of it. Oh no, I think I think social media is invaluable. No question. I think. Everybody needs to be involved in it at some level. Um, it is a way to broadcast your ideas, your specialties, your area of expertise. Um, and as we move forward, we're going to start to see a little bit of a shift to digital identities. Mm. And these digital identities will be something that you own completely and totally. So we're going to move away, and this is kind of bizarre to say, but we're going to move away from um, the Facebooks of the world, uh, maybe the Twitter of the world, because what they're doing, as I mentioned before, is they're gathering mm -hmm. all this information. Every click that you make, um, every uh, post that you put on, they're gathering information so they can turn around and advertise to yes. you. So what is going to happen, bring it full circle back to blockchain, is that you are going to be able to create your own digital profile mm -hmm. and you'll be able to sell it to advertisers. Let's say you're interested in yachting, maybe oh, camping, uh, cars. You have that within your digital identity. Mm -hmm. It's encrypted, it's protected. Only you have that on your digital wallet and then you can sell it to the advertisers for them to then advertise to you. Okay. Um, so the social media aspect will be that you'll be able to leverage that as well as part of it. So, so in short, Facebook and Twitter should be concerned uh, about, about blockchain, really, yeah. uh, unless they can find a way to, 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 it. to, to use it. Um, uh, uh, finally, we're coming to an end, I'm afraid. Um, what's next for you? Uh, where do you see the next six months uh, to five years going? Because you, presumably you're going in and 
first time of being banging your head against a brick wall. Um, eventually you've got through there and uh, will there be another wall? Uh, will there be something else for you to start uh, sort of convincing us about? Uh, what's, what's next? You know, for me, I'm so focusing on uh, our customers and, and trying to educate them and working on new tools around blockchain, around AI. Mm. I personally uh, am working on a side project doing a, an ICO, initial coin offering, okay. uh, for something that I just totally do on the side, um, to walk through that process, to see what it's like. And mm. frighteningly enough, you can pull off an ICO in about uh, an hour, the programming piece of it. So I programmed wow. it out, uh, issued the tokens, it's good to go. All I need to do is the marketing piece around that, mm. as well as write the white paper, basically mm. saying this is what the company does or this is what the organization does. Um, so the combination of those types of technologies, the, the cryptocurrencies, the tokenization yep. of a all assets, yep. um, and combining that with algorithms, I think is sort of the future for a lot of things. And I'll be spending a lot of time in that, um, hopefully working with our customers on it too. Wow, um, fantastic. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been really interesting. I feel like I'm surprised by that. That's not, that's not how I meant to be sounding. Uh, I paid you for saying that, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, thank you very much. And, thank you. Uh, and, and we'll see you soon. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.